I mean, you, you've heard about monkeypox. Well, have you heard about the donkey that talks? Something yeah, I like that kind of thing. Exactly. You know, horrible. the the youth pastor kind of like, hey, you know who else was, uh, uh, you know, whatever it is, and then just <laughs> monkeypox. <laughs> Keith needs a minute. And I didn't write that ahead of time. I just want to let you know that just came. Keith needs a minute, y'all. If I was charismatic, I would say the spirit. And welcome back to Conversations with a Calvinist. My name is Keith Foskey, and I am a Calvinist. Tonight, I am joined by two friends, Jake Korn and Matthew Henson, and we're going to be talking about a church in Texas that decided to put on an unauthorized production of the hit musical Hamilton. And as I said, I am joined today by two of my great friends in the ministry and wonderful commentators on all things Christian and Reformed, except for my not-yet-Calvinist friend, <laughs> Matthew Henson, who is here today. Matthew, thank you for being here. The contractual obligation stands. We have to say it at the start of every show. One Absolutely. of these shirts is not like the other. That's, That's right. right. I'm wearing my five-point Calvinist shirt, and so is Jake Korn wearing his uh, five-point Calvinist shirt. Now I'm I do wearing the, the retro ATAT uh, t-shirt there for the, for the people that have to take an ibuprofen every morning, you know what this logo is parodying. That is awesome. So let's do this. Let's let's dig into the topic at hand. Apparently, there is a church in Texas that recently did a production of the hit musical Hamilton. Now, I have never seen Hamilton. Have you guys seen it? I'm a huge fan. You're a huge Hamilton fan? Okay. I have not. Matthew, I, I figured you might just because of your propensity for and love for history. I thought you might have seen it just to uh, pick it apart. But well, um. I don't. Has it shown? Jake would know. Has it shown local to me? No, but it is on. Well, you don't have Disney Plus, but it is on Disney Plus. Okay, yeah, fair, I, fair enough. Then I will say uh, one. I read the biography first, and I highly recommend the book uh, by Ron Chernow. It's amazing. Um, and two, Matthew, you've heard a lot of Hamilton because I always use a song from Hamilton as my mic check when uh -huh. I was getting ready for worship. So you've I heard remember chunks. those. Yeah, I do remember that. That are random 1776 quotations. Uh, yeah, same. <laughs> well, my daughter absolutely loves the show. She has seen it um, several times in different different ways I, I guess it's all been through video because she's never gone to actually watch it live i don't think did they do a traveling show maybe she did go see there, it. so there was one in jacksonville um <laughs> i want to say february of this year i think oh. maybe it, it was pretty recently yeah i'll have to ask her but I, I mean she loves it she talks about it all the time sing you know walks around sing my, my daughter's sort of a musical uh uh you know she likes musicals and she's i would say she's a musical nerd but I, i'm a nerd too you know we, we all nerd out over our own things and hers just happens to be musicals uh shout out to the fact that this week olivia newton john passed away yeah. who's obviously uh played in the the movie version of greece i performed in greece for those who are interested i was one of johnny casino and the gamblers which were the okay. guys who <laughs> played the music during the the dance off which was um i played the song um that Danny is singing to Sandy when they're when they're dancing. What's that play and on the radio? Oh yeah, that was me. That was Big Daddy. I was I was singing singing live. Nice. Uh, back back in high school, if you can imagine, I was <laughs> much much younger. Anyway, uh, not that anybody cares. <laughs> okay. So, 
So anyway, I want to read. Uh, I'm going to read from CNN.com. This is the um, this is the, the what C- CNN said. And I was talking to to Jake about this before we started. I said I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to read from CNN rather than Fox News or Christianity Today because I want to get sort of the 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 sort of a, a, an opinion that would be more maybe not necessarily a Christian opinion on this, but what is what is the world saying about this? And it says this, a, che- a Texas church performed Hamilton this weekend, but the team but behind the Tony Award-winning production says it shouldn't have happened. Hamilton does not grant amateur or professional licenses for any stage productions and did not grant one to the Door Church. Shane Marshall Brown, a spokesman for Hamilton, said in a statement to CNN on Monday, officials behind the musical were not aware of the unauthorized staging until the day after the church's first of two scheduled performances and sent a cease and desist letter, the spokesman added. Um, The Door, a church in McKellen, a town in South Texas, was allowed to continue with its planned second performance with conditions, among them that the show would not be live-streamed, recorded, or shared on social media in photo or video form, according to the statement. So they did get to go ahead with the production. However, now what I'm seeing, that that's a bit of an older article. I think that one came out uh, on the 9th. Uh, now the newer articles are saying that they're very upset because they changed lyrics to include uh, more gospel-related, I wouldn't say necessarily good gospel-related things, but basically they changed out Jesus in some of the songs, and they put the the idea of, 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 of Jesus in and, and sort of tried to, to make some changes. So um, right away, guys, just what's your first thoughts? I'm, I'm going to start with Jake. Uh, you know, what, what are your just right away when you read something like this? What are your just immediate thought when you saw this? Yeah. So my mind splits into two places. So I was a theater major in college, a theater kid all through high school. So I kind of think, you know, in, in that half of my brain, you have to pay the rights, man. Like, like we, we have to pay the workman what he's due. Um, you know, however you feel about the product, there's a copyright involved. People work really hard on that. And that show is still touring and making money. So if you're trying to capitalize on that, even if it's for a nonprofit, that's that's inherently wrong. Second half of my mind is the Calvinist half, which goes back to our uh, regular principle of worship conversation. This does not belong on a Sunday morning. Uh, if it was Sunday morning, um, I'm fine with churches being involved in the arts as part of being the life of the church. But like once you start to conflate it with worship, then it becomes an issue. And then there's kind of a middle of the road, which is I hate the hokiness of spoof alikes, you know, where we we change stuff to inject the gospel in it to make it popular. Either the gospel is popular because the Lord has regenerated your heart to make it popular, or the gospel is unbelievably offensive to your flesh. And let's keep it that way. Amen. All right. First thoughts from Matthew. What are your what do you gotten your in that brain of yours well i i think what struck me about the story at first is that um so i i agree with jake completely that that you know we have laws on copyright that these things do matter that churches very often just sort of operate in a legal wild wild west and and have taken for granted the fact that we have very broad first amendment authority to to order worship in a manner that we 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 deem appropriate, but the problem is when you abuse that uh, freedom, that is when the pendulum swings and the reaction against it starts to crack down. So, um, 
you know, for instance, uh, if you're doing a children's ministry and you want someone signs in on their Netflix account and wants to put finding Nemo on for 10 kids, you know, in the, during, for childcare, during an event, do you technically need, uh, you know, a, a mass audience license for that? Cause it's a commercial property. Technically. Yes, you do. Now are people actually doing that is a 2000 and whatever year Disney film showed on someone's Disney plus really hurting Disney that much in the revenue category. No, that being said, churches, take a little more rope and take a little more rope and take a little more rope until finally they are showing copyrighted information up on the screens of whatever they've got. They're not paying for a performance license and they're shrugging and saying either we're a nonprofit or, well, this is the gospel and Caesar doesn't get to tell us what to do. Uh, there's a, and we're going to get into this. I'm sure there's a lot of dangerous conflation there. I have not heard the doors explanation or justification for why they did what they did. I imagine it would be somewhere along those lines, but I, I'll, I'll also say the, um, the CNN reactions to this have been very interesting. I'm going to read a line here and I hope I'm not taking your thunder here, Keith, but this no, jumped please, right please. out to me. It says, so this is an opinion article. So you're right. That was the, I mean, it's CNN. So what's opinion and what's fact? but anyway, <laughs> it's all know, opinion. Let, it's None of it's news. fact. It's right. Let's let's grant the premise for a moment that there was a <clears throat> factual article that Keith just read from, sort of just stating the facts. So this is a CNN opinion article. came out the same day, and it says, A conservative church is not where you might expect to see a showing of Hamilton, the award-winning Lin-Manuel uh, Miranda musical that tells a story, blah, 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 blah. But this weekend, a church in McAllen, Texas, called The Door, performed the show with some right-wing tinkering. Okay, immediately I'm tuned in because I'm thinking – like did did they inject Donald Trump into it or was it Jesus? <laughs> yeah. Like right. Like why is Jesus yeah. immediately right wing? So that they, immediately they've is conflated Christianity with the right, which maybe maybe a bunch of Christianity has done that, but that's an ugly conflation for sure. It is. Yeah. Yeah. And for anybody who is interested, just to throw this out there, I've been doing YouTube Shorts on my YouTube channel now, and the one I did today was conservative does not mean you're a Christian. Is a yeah. one minute video. So if anybody wants to check that out, I, I actually deal with that very subject. Well, CNN needs to read that or watch that, Keith, because uh, so anyways, they say with some right wing tinkering. Next sentence. The actors reportedly mentioned Jesus and Christianity throughout and a video shows the performance also featured a sermon comparing homosexuality to drug addiction and deeming it a sin. OK, as if this is some striking Wow, they deemed it a sin as if this is some new you know, like, well, the Christians have never done that for nineteen hundred and seventy eight years or whatever it is. Um, and then they go through and they get increasingly mad and the word homophobia appears eight or 10 times or something like that. But, you know, I mean, I, I've heard sermons before discussing lifestyle sins, discussing addictions, discussing uh, unrepentant, sinful patterns. And, and oftentimes there is a, a comparison, I won't say a conflation, but a comparison between living in that kind of a, a homosexual lifestyle with alcoholism or drug addiction or something like that, something that Christ must set you free from. So to see CNN getting big mad about it and being shocked that Christians are opposed to homosexuality and comparing it to drug addiction, it's, it's very interesting because modern culture wouldn't really argue that drug addiction is bad, but modern culture would very much be in favor of homosexuality. And so CNN thinks they're getting some digs in by like, wow, they compare these two things. Can you believe it? Whereas from a Christian perspective with an unregenerate heart, we would look at both of those things and say, yeah, yeah, that is the fruit of an unregenerate heart. You're right. So yeah, that's what both, I see. Both of those, those are things. sins. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And, you know, we can get into a more of a discussion about, you know, how you 
pass through your way through each one of those and all that. And that's important, but that's what stuck out to me. And there's a whole bunch more legal questions I had about it, but I'll, I'll not go on for 20 minutes for my opening. <laughs> opening thoughts. No, no, that's fine. And we are going to, we're going to dig into some more of those things. I, I, I want to get back to something that Jake said. Um, I, I don't know that this was a Sunday morning, um, event. I, I, we, none of us do. I don't think, I don't think any of us have, 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 have dug that deep to find out. It, did this happen on a Sunday morning? Uh, it said, I think, um, August 5th and 6th, that'd be Friday, Saturday. Yeah. So, so this was not, uh, this was not a Lord's day service. But it is a traditional set, uh, Sabbath, just saying. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe well, that's yeah, on they, purpose. They they took they took the Sabbath. Yeah, yeah. Colossians but, two has entered the chat. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it, keeping that in mind, um, right away, you know, Jake, you mentioned that the 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 church, you're not opposed to, to the church you know, having its part in the arts. And, and, and I think that is a, a, the first question that's on the mind of many people, especially reform folks is the question of, well, is it really the church? Is it really the place of the church to be putting on plays? And I, I mean, I want to, I want to start this out and then I'll let you guys ha have your thought, but you know, our church has various activities that we do during the week that aren't necessarily I mean, everything's gospel centered in the sense that everything we do is is to glorify God. But you know, we have a we have a youth karate program that I teach. It's a martial arts program. We give the gospel to the kids every week. We give the Ten Commandments, the gospel. We we do make it evangelistic. But I teach karate. I mean, I teach martial arts. So our our church has a very similar ministry. Yeah. Yeah, Yesha, right? You guys do the mm -hmm. Yesha yep. ministry. Yep. Yeah, and, and so so. With that, I mean, it, I think it would be somewhat hypocritical of me to say, okay, if there was a church down the street that had a theater club, just like ours, we call ours the, the SGFC Karate Club, right? And we do mm -hmm. it on Monday nights. It doesn't interfere with anything else we do ministry-wise, and we consider it a ministry to the community because we do it basically for free. If, if a church down the street had a theater club, and that theater club used the sanctuary and used the, the chancel, which is what we call it, and other churches call it, the worship center and the stage or whatever, if they use that platform to perform a play, you know, it, I don't see anything inherently necessarily wrong with that, but there are those who might. Yeah. And, and, and that was sort of one of the first thoughts I had was, is it, is there anything ecclesiastically wrong with this church having a theater club or whatever they are to perform these things? I imagine you would say no, Jake, but talk, talk to that for a minute. Yeah. So, so, taking the rights aside, let's say they were doing something open source like Shakespeare, right? Um, so imagine, let's go back to 75 AD, and we are now in Lydia's house, right? The first European con uh, uh, convert who was holding churches in her home. Why? Because there weren't buildings. So now the entire church is just the people who are Christians who live around Lydia's house. And where do they attend the Lord's Day? Together at Lydia's house. Well, if those same people wanted to do an alternate activity that is still glorifying to God in the way that we live our lives as a church in Lydia's house, right? Are they going to say, whoa, 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 that is the church building and that is the building where the church happens and that, right? It's not the temple. And we conflate the temple and what the temple did and, and the, the prescriptions of holiness that the temple has to the buildings wherein our churches meet on the Lord's day. And, and that is a holdover from 
uh, Rome, and that is a holdover mm-hmm. from not understanding how the Old Testament works. So, yeah, this church has a stage, which you would call a chancel, and they're doing a theater production, which is ostensibly, other than the theft part of it, glorifying God on Friday night. There, anybody who argues that there's anything wrong with that, I'd have to ask you by what standard, because you're not going to find it in scripture. Right? Yeah. Ding, there should be a bell every time I say That's that. That's right. Ding. <laughs> right, right. But but by what standard? Um, now, if the art itself is somehow not glorifying to God, that's a great discussion. Issues like this with the with the uh, copyright, that's a, that's an issue. Or maybe they're taking in the money and there's kind of a weird thing about how they're charging tickets. All of those are separate issues. But can a group of people who are Christians do a God-glorifying event? in the building that is also used on the Lord's day. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'd go to the mattresses on that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I, I, I agree. I, I, Matthew and, and the two things you mentioned, Jake, before we get to Matthew, the two things you mentioned about charging and also the, the issue of legal doing it the right way. But what we're talking about now, Matt, is really the question of, do you think it's wrong for a church to do theater? Is that, mm-hmm. that, that that's, I think the first question. Is it wrong for a church to do music, to do theater, to do, to do what this, in I, I'm asking rhetor. I'm sorry. I'm asking rhetorically, you know, oh, okay. Like is, okay. is it wrong for a church to do music? Because if worship, if, if the full expression of art can be seen in, and I would consider preaching a form of art, I mean, to make the word of God come alive. Now that's in a sort of a special category. I grant that, but to make the word of God come alive. I mean, if a pastor tells a story about his kids, Um, you know, if he, if he's attempting to use, uh, any kind of visual aid to be engaging, if he's doing anything other than strictly reading the text of scripture and, and not in Koine Greek, then there's a translation that happened. There's all a a form of creative expression has occurred with any action that people take in a church ever. It, It has to, I mean, like if not, then are the, in the kids men where they're coloring pictures of Noah's Ark, like, are we going after that? Is that, you know, well, um, what if they are coloring a picture of a gingerbread man around Christmas? Ah, well, that one's the gingerbread man's not in the Bible. We better get rid of that. Like, as Jake said, and I, I, I we need a bell for it. By what standard? How far are we going to push this? Um, how far are we going to say, you know, uh, you know, th- that this is violative of some sort of sacredness, you know, and I'll, I'll tell you a story. Um, the pastor that we had, uh, Wes Slough, who's, um, by the way, listener, pray for him because he's bedridden at the moment. He's been, uh, doing missions work over in Russia, but he had a, an infection in his leg and has been suffering terribly trying to recover from that. So, um, dear saint of ours, anyway, he, he used to do a bit of drama, um, on occasion he would, um, and sometimes it was a surprise. He would come to, the stage, the chancel, whatever. And it was usually like on, on a good, uh, on a good Friday or something like that. It it wasn't often on Sunday, but sometimes it was, and he'd be dressed in, in what you would expect someone from the first century middle East to be in. And he'd go up and say, good morning. My name's Thomas. And you may know me as doubting Thomas. And he would give this monologue for five or 10 minutes to help the church get into the mindset of what Thomas must've felt when Christ reappears to him. He says, my Lord and my God, you know, And, and, and it was, was it a bit cheesy at times? Yes. Was it was it well done all the time? No, it was not. But it helped people to get a bit of an understanding about it. And he was always super clear. Listen, you know, the words that we have that 
are recorded from Thomas in scripture are of a different category than what I have said. Those are God breathed. These are not, you know, he was very careful with that, but he used drama to bring the story out and he did it on the Lord's day and, and people, and this is not the standard for whether it's good or not, but people loved it and it was effective. And I see nothing violative in scripture about doing that. As far as that's the activities of a church. It's a bit of a different layer when you're talking about say renting out your facilities. I think that honestly, that, that has to meet a lower bar um, because if you just have a community club that is 100% secular and they say, you've got a gym, can we rent it to play basketball on Tuesday nights? And the church wants to make some additional income and all they're doing is going in there and playing basketball. Like, you know, we, we have every event at our church, we have an informal rule. Every event must point to the gospel. But if we're going to let someone rent our facility, like, are we going to like make one of our people show up and read a chapter of Luke before they can drink. Like, no, we're not doing that. So I think there's two different standards. One is if the church as an entity is formally presenting the, the item or the event or the thing, then it must rise to an above reproach standard. Um, and if it's a third party or something like that, it can't be anything objectionable to the gospel. I don't think. Um, certainly we would not, we would not run our facility out for an incredibly vulgar play that, that, profanes marriage and does all sorts of things like that. But for an, and uh, an event that does not really take a stance on anything, again, renting it out for basketball or someone's secular wedding reception. I, I see no issue with that. Yeah. That's actually becoming <clears throat> increasingly more difficult now though, because of it, it, it seems to be the, the argument is if you open to one, you must open to all and a lot of churches have stepped back and, and, and just said we're not going to open. And I know this sort of getting off the subject of theater now, but the idea of the use of the building by outside entities, that, that, that's become somewhat – a lot of churches are scared. I'm not going to lie. It's just, and, they, it's a, and they really shouldn't be because churches are legally permitted to religiously discriminate on hiring and the usage of their facilities. If you have a, an application open for a youth pastor – and someone who is an Orthodox Jew applies, you are allowed to say, we reject your application due to religious reasons. Churches are explicitly allowed to do that because they have to be in order to hire. Even if your church has an attached preschool and you have a statement of faith that you require the preschool teachers to sign, um, that is perfectly allowed and you are allowed to exclude someone based upon that. The same goes for contractors, the same goes for facility usage, all of those things. If you say that our HVAC contractor has to have a cross on their van or we're not hiring them, <laughs> you are absolutely free to do so as a church. Um, so that argument, a, a lot of that, honestly, is people just not wanting to have difficult conversations. Well, you look Aunt Sally use it for this, but you won't let Bill use it for that. And that's just that's just church leaders who are cowards and don't know how to handle conflict. Um, and if you know, there's nothing legal about that that would be uh, that would be violative of any kind of legal problem. Okay. So all of us are in agreement that if there is a theater club that the church is allowed to use the church, or if the church has its own theater club, like we have our own karate club, there's nothing inherently anti-Christ or anti-gospel about that thing. So none of us are saying that the door church in Texas, I don't remember the city, uh, whatever. McAllen. Yeah, it, yeah, the, the 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 door church that they were wrong for wanting to put on a play. I mean, how many do you, does your church? I know y'all are in different churches now, but you used to be in the same church. Mm -hmm. did, did, did your church put on productions like plays at Christmas and, and Easter and things like that, or is that just something y'all didn't do? Or 
so we we definitely would have worship services or you know services with worship music on a christmas eve or something that would have dramatic aspects to it um uh i say we i am now in the united states army but i'm still very close to uh the church uh we're very closely attached to a christian dance company that would have dramatic you know renditions Mm -hmm. of of their productions um i mean that was a regular thing i pitched for years trying to get an actual theater theater program off the ground it just never really worked out because we were doing some other cool stuff um so uh i mean we were certainly close to it i would say Mm -hmm. but you guys probably wouldn't have done greece no i mean no (laughs) yeah because i mean greece is like all about sex and conformity right to, yeah to the exactly standards <laughs> the the I, I tell my daughter the moral of greece is if you can't get the guy you want become a slut yeah for <laughs> sure i mean there's some that's catch, on facebook there's some, now there's some <laughs> catchy songs man but beyond that like it's a horrible show you know and 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 i i do like the um the standard of glorifying god but i do want people to be careful with that because i don't want us to be so averse to art, more averse to art than the Bible is in describing, you know, violence or non-glorifying, God-glorifying sexuality, right? Because there's tons of it in the Bible. It's just how those things are done and what they're pointing to as as what's good and bad, I think, is is the right answer. And I will say, like, like Jesus taught in parables, right, which are dramatic reenactments, like, unless we believe that those are factual historical Hmm. events that all occurred which i do not right so jesus used these things um paul on mars hill is is specifically quoting the strongest cultural events of the time right the cultural influencers and i think you could argue that disney is a strong cultural influencer so he was taking their words and and twisting them to show well what you really mean and what you're really looking for is this so i mean this is very much in keeping with the history of the church and and for i mean in the history of the west for hundreds of years the only theater that was happening was done by the church and not not by the priesthood but by the lady so if you look at your medieval history from 900 to 1300 or so there's this rich tradition of what's called passion plays where where the laity would get together for every festival and they would put on short little plays from scripture they would do little reenactments and it was it was funny because it was a, a guild system back then so the baker's guild would get together and their play would be about the last supper and the fishermen's guild they would get together mm-hmm. to talk about jonah and i mean and and so what we know as modern entertainment today is very much informed by what was accomplished those those techniques the way we use a stage and the way we frame it with the proscenium arch and and the way we do costuming some of it we got from the early greeks but a lot of it of western art in theater was formed by the church telling christian plays so mm-hmm. not only do i think it's is it okay for churches to do as long as it's not on the lord's day um i think that more churches should be engaging in this realm because my goodness have we seeded the culture to the world and we should be leading in the culture, not giving it up that post bill. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I want to draw walk, walk something back very quickly. Cause I did say something I, and I rarely walk back what I say, but I am going to walk something back because I'm going to ask you about Hamilton and whether or not you think that's appropriate for a church. Cause you're the only one of us that has seen it, Jake. 
But I do want to say this. I don't think Olivia Newton-John was playing a slut. So I know she just died. <laughs> I, I, I mean, she I, was. I mean, Sandy was. Sandy was being. She was being risque, but that, that's a that's a harsh word, and I don't, I don't want anybody to think I'm, I'm you know that that, that I, I'll be I'll be fair. She she dressed in a way that was meant to be provocative, and uh, I I just you know I mean she she did just pass away. So. I don't think it's anything to having to do with Olivia Newton John, but the character Sandy was promoting promiscuity among women. Okay, so when it comes to Hamilton. Is that something that you uh, know? I know you don't know that they ch- what lyrics they changed, yeah, but apparently yeah. it was just a couple times they threw Jesus in. It wasn't it, it, they didn't wholesale change the play. Yeah, it yeah. seems like they just yeah. added Christ in at a certain couple points. No, I mean you know there's there's a a good handful of 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 bad words. Uh, there's the whole sub subplot of Hamilton's infidelity. Um, so. You know, like if if those things were scrubbed out, which ostensibly could be done, there's a lot in there in the story about, um, you know, uh, redemption and uh, regret at your past sin even indicates Hamilton had a religious reawakening at the end of his life. Although there's not that much to back that up because he was very quiet about his faith, the actual guy. Um so I, I don't know. I mean, it, it, it was certainly wasn't the author's intent to, to make it be about that. Um, but, but I think it could be framed in such a way. No, no. First of all, I'm, I'm super against the hokey spoofing again. I just, I, I don't like that either write your own thing or do the whole thing and, and frame the whole thing in a way, right? Like I think we should be doing Shakespeare in all of its vulgarity and then framing it, right? Because uh, I think that can be done. So I wouldn't do it, um, but if they did a certain amount of scrubbing, yeah, I think it would be wholesome enough for a church to do. I'm sure tons of people are going to disagree with me, Um you know, but but again, this is a historical figure, uh, and, and the the play is based off of how the biography is written, almost like plot point for plot point. So, yeah, I think it could be done. Okay, all right, and like I said, Matthew, I, I don't mean to leave you out on that one. I just know you no, and I haven't fine. seen it, so it's yeah. fine. No, I, I'm yeah, I, I don't have any strong opinions on whether or not it could be done. I will comment on the whole like. <sighs> Pastors trying to use pop culture to name their sermon titles. Like, stop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just, just stop completely doing that. Like, I, I mean, <laughs> I've seen. Boy, yeah, yeah. Nighttime Matthew is a little, little strong. You, you're just letting us I, know what's up. <laughs> listen, like the, the, some guy that spent 15 minutes setting up a walking dead, like, oh, this means you're dead in sin. You're walking, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. you're actually dead inside. And he, he spent 15 minutes telling the story like describing the plot of a walking dead episode so that he could get that hook in there. It's like, <laughs> stop, like, don't do this. This is bad preaching. I mean, you, you've heard about monkey pox. Well, have you heard about the donkey that talks? Something yeah. I like that kind of thing. Exactly. You know, horrible. the, the youth pastor kind of like, Hey, you know who else was, uh, uh, you know, whatever it is. And it just, <laughs> the monkey pox. <laughs> Keith needs a minute. <laughs> And I didn't write that ahead of time. I just want to let you know that just came. Keith needs a minute, y'all. If I was charismatic, I would say the spirit gave that to me, but I don't think the spirit wants or to endorse that joke. Yeah. Okay. My camera is not making my face red. That is, that's legit. Yeah. <laughs> You've heard of monkey pox. Well, what about the donkey that talks? I mean, 
You're going to put that in your sermon this weekend. He is. And you I, should. I mean, go preach numbers just so I can talk about Balaam's donkey. <laughs> you can just you can fit that one. We can just, you know what? Let's just shut it down. We're good. Good night. Yeah, we're everybody. done. Yeah, call this it a day. This has been a great episode. That's, that's the best ending ever. No, no I, I, but to like, you know, we've all seen those super corny like church signs like, hey, are you really hot and bothered? You should turn on your prayer conditioner. And it's like, okay, <laughs> really? Like, come on. You know, the, the basically dad joke sermons. We don't need that. We don't need to dad joke our way into into making uh, no. No. Uh, shoehorning yeah. a play into teaching the gospel or something. That's not necessary. I'm I'm really feeling attacked right now because like a year and a half ago, uh-huh. <laughs> I did a sermon. It, it's, Should we wear masks? It was the title of the sermon. It had nothing mm. to do with COVID or the mask. It had to uh-huh. do with it had to do with pretending to be a Christian and not or, or being hypocr- hypocritical at church. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. About wearing masks, you know. That's not and, that and, cheesy, huh? That's not too cheesy. Yeah, and, no, yeah. But, but everybody thought, and it, and and I'm not, you know, everybody was like, "Oh, you're just you're just titling it that way because of COVID and the mask." I was like, "Yeah, well, maybe, you know." So there. Sometimes whatever. stuff is just on your mind, and it leads to the next thought. But but the intention, I think it's the intention of trying to hook somebody. Hey, this pop culture thing you like, we're gonna get close to that, and then oh. talk about Jesus. You know that I I cannot stand it. Oh, yeah. buddy, absolutely. I was I was working on it on an Acts 20 sermon I've got coming up and I just that you just rang like a big not a bell just a gong right there about something I was thinking about earlier but no no matter what you're doing if it's if it's youth group and pizza parties right you should never do a shell game gotcha with the gospel like no no that is completely a a wrong choice I I'll even, I guess I'll, I'll spoil the plot a little bit on what I was thinking but I was it was a shower thought and I was like all right so if your church has like a marriage class, you know, that's open to all. And, uh, you know, the, 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 the statement is using the principles that God gives in scripture, we can make your marriage better, which is absolutely the case. If you apply the principles of scripture, you will make their marriage better. And they come and they, they hear the word of God and they get the precepts of God and they apply them in their marriage and it gets better, but you didn't give them Christ. You have damned them more than when they walked in. Yeah, Their marriage will be fantastic and they will go to hell. You don't love them. You hate fault. them. Yeah, yeah. Right. And whether it's financial management, you know, we've got a Dave Ramsey thing or whatever, which I'm all about. We should have good financial management. We should, you know, we should have good marriages. If it's a parenting class, if we're giving them good things that honor God and we do not give them Christ, we have damned them more than when they walked in. And I just, it just hit me right in the face when I was reading that. I was like, my gosh. Yeah, you know, we've got to be careful. For sure. It, it leads you down this road where you basically become Andy Stanley. Andy Stanley, I don't know if he's still saying it, but for a long time, he his whole preaching philosophy was, you know, if you get saved or not, following Jesus will make your life better and will make you better at life. So regardless, well go ahead and do it. Right. Yeah. Regardless if you get saved. So, you know what? Just get, get better at life. It's like, well, that's great. Maybe yeah. they'll have a great life. But after that, you now have become, you know, a stumbling block for them, brother Andy. And there is a, a a millstone waiting for your neck. Like, like now, now to your point, like, so in the army chaplain world, right. That's a big deal, right. Mm -hmm. Is is, when it's chapel time, I'm wearing the cross. I can preach whatever I want. No one can stop me, but there are certain times where I'm, you know, having to do something for the entire unit and, and our army chaplains are given the responsibility of uh, teaching morals, ethics um, and morale type stuff. And when I teach the whole unit, 
I I can't right give give the gospel. A lot of chaplains do try to do the bait and switch and just say, well, you know, this one book that I like uh, has this principle in it that I uh-huh. want to give you. Um, and again, it's like, well, yeah, it's, there is great wisdom in the Proverbs and, and, and all that is awesome. Um, but, but that's not my job right now. Uh, my job is to teach you what the army defines as morals and ethics. So I'm going to pull that from army doctrine because that's what the army yeah. wants you to learn. And then I'll put a plug in and say, but if you want to know what I think about where the source of morality and ethics comes from, please, by all means, you know, uh, yeah. we'll have Come that offline conversation. Later. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But the bait and switch as if somehow saying, hey, saving 10 percent of your money and not being in debt might get you to Jesus. If I never mentioned Jesus like that, you know, like that's, that's not going to work. And and if you felt virtuous in doing that, all you've done is maybe let yourself off the hook for what is your responsibility to evangelize. I think. Yeah, I think it's it's so dangerous when churches take a good thing in Scripture. They offer the good thing to people, but then they don't give them Christ mm-hmm. like. I mean, yes, I want every person that comes that that drives by our church to have a great marriage and we should have marriage classes and we should marriage should be held in high honor. Absolutely. And parenting and the family. And this is the basic unit of society and like for a good and better country and county and all that kind of thing. We should want this. But 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 if we then do not give them the gospel, if we do not give them that, then then we have only saw. A failing marriage may have been the megaphone that God had up to their head to get their attention and wake them up. And if we simply treat the symptom and we don't actually go after the heart, whether it's a play, a marriage class, financial thing, I've seen churches that have trade schools. I think that's awesome. I think churches that teach life skills and all that and in Mexico, uh, that's one of the things that that some of our missionaries do is they want to open a trade school to teach them how to be self-supporting and all that. That's great. But if we just it, – it's a seminary type thing. But if we just gave them, here's how you wire a house, you know, great. The church showed me how to wire a house and make money. And then we just le- – like, yeah, we've improved their life for now. But what have we done, you know, long term? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, swinging back to the – the next question that I did want to ask, and this, this again, getting, getting to the heart of what was wrong with what was done at the Doors Church, um, because I think all of us would agree that even though we don't have a problem with theater, and even though we don't have a problem with churches promoting the arts, even though we don't have a problem with even the play Hamilton, if that were mm-hmm. if it were legal to do, we all three would agree that this was wrong based on the fact that they they essentially broke copyright law. Yeah. And um, what I want to do, I'm going to start with Matt on this one, because I know you're a good legal mind. I know you both are brilliant men, but but Matt has this uh, innate ability to explain legal precedents and things like that. <laughs> maybe, maybe you know this, maybe you don't. I didn't ask you beforehand. But can you explain Christian copyright licensing mm-hmm. and what we what we have to do to be able to, like our church, we play songs from mm-hmm. from uh, modern mm-hmm. writers, mm-hmm. and to do that, we have to have a license to mm-hmm. do that. And mm-hmm. um, we also we stream our services, mm-hmm. so we pay for a streaming license. Can you talk about that? Do you know much about that to be able to? Mm-hmm. I just want to break in before he starts. Is if you had asked me 
I would have just said, hey, hey, Matthew, when you taught me about all that copyright stuff, can you just explain it? <laughs> he, when I was in charge of worship at the church, Matthew was the one who explained it to me. So sorry, go ahead. Sure. Yeah. So uh, most churches are familiar with an organization called CCLI. Um, and what CCLI does is they are. Um, OK, well, let's let's back up just a minute and, and I'll, the, the hook is CCLI. Um, but anyway, we'll, we'll come back to them in just a second. So uh, U.S. copyright law is actually defined in the Constitution. It says that Congress has the right to set U.S. copyright law. Um, and the purpose of copyright is to incentivize creative production. If it takes you uh, 10 years, Brother Keith, to write a book, and it's the best book ever, and you painstakingly worked over each and every sentence, and you, um, you, know, you, you sent it off to editors, and you, it was your life's work, your magnum opus – um, and, and, and dozens of people had to come together to research things and to, to interview people. And it, in other words, there was a massive amount of effort put into the production of this book. Um, and then the very first copy you run off, I take it down to a Xerox machine and run off a whole bunch of others and then sell it for 50 cents because it cost me nothing. Cost me, a, you know, then you have had all of your work robbed and that there is a disincentive then for you to work hard and, and do great production. So that's the whole idea behind intellectual property law is it incentivizes the creation of, of um, content. Now, um, that is stated in the Constitution. Congress sets copyright law. Um, and what, uh, what churches run into a lot of times is that music uh, is, a, is a creative act. Music is a creative thing that, that has required a lot of work to produce. Um, and so when a church wants to sing music, in order for uh, most Christian artists, especially, but most artists don't want their music to only exist on their own CD player. They license it to Spotify or Apple Music or Pandora or various radio stations. But there are mechanisms by which each time a song is played, they are compensated. And the rates, those are all negotiated between record labels, and they all figure that out. Well, for Christians, churches are in a bit of a weird spot because we're nonprofits. Uh, most of us, some of us 501c3, some of us 508c1as that aren't even actually registered. The IRS just kind of grandfathers us in. Um, and also, uh, we are doing music uh, not for financial gain. So unless you're charging admission tickets uh, to an event where there's, where there's music going on, um, most of the time it's not for financial gain. So what has happened is there is a sort of cold war, actually, between a group called CCLI and all of the record labels. And what CCLI does, CCLI, it's a licensing scheme that you purchase as a church. And as a result, you get a library of songs that are uh, available for you to sing and to perform. Uh, there's an add-on, an additional license for live streaming that you can purchase. Uh, it also gives you the text, the actual musical notes, which is a lot of the creative energy that goes into a song. You can reverse transcribe it if you want to but it gives you that upfront so you don't have to do that. Um, all of those things take time. We want the workmen to be compensated. And so CCLI does that. Here's why I described it as a bit of a cold war because there is still a big PR minefield for a record label to go after a church for playing one of their songs. They really don't want that press for now. There may come a time when the church is not as accepted in American society and that may change. CCLI gives a veneer of uh, legitimacy. And I'm not saying CCLI is not a legitimate organization. What I'm saying is there is no federal statute that says Christians must pay for CCLI. 
What I'm saying is CCLI has negotiated with these record labels. And if you purchase CCLI and you use it properly, then you probably have a pretty good shield to hide behind. Probably. It's not a guarantee. There are, you did not sign a contract with, you know, Warner brothers and who are like all of the different record labels you paid CCLI. You didn't read the terms and conditions. You just clicked accept and you hope you're okay. And you probably are, but that's how music goes. Okay. There are a couple of restrictions on that. And actually this worked to our benefit. There's a particular song. Many of us have sang a hundred million times called in Christ alone. When the Presbyterian church USA, PCUSA, we all know who we're talking about here were compiling their hymnal, they wanted to include in Christ alone, but, and this is something covered in American gospel, they wanted to change one of the lyrics. And the lyric they wanted to change was, till on that cross, as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. They did not want that in there. They wanted, till on that cross, as Jesus died, the love of God was magnified. Now, copyright law was actually to the advantage of the gospel there because they changed it and the and the songwriters came down on them and said you must not do that you you're not legally allowed to do that we assert our legal rights here and so they said well can we can you can we come to an agreement can we pay you some money can we can we find some way that we can create our own version that you'll sign off and bless and the songwriters said no you mustn't do that it it would it would dilute the gospel we won't allow that and so the song didn't make it into their hymnal that's an example of copyright law actually protecting the, the witness of the gospel, which is very interesting. Um, so with plays, right, not only do you have to have a license to perform it, but if you want to make it derivative, okay, now that's a totally different thing. Because what you're doing at that point is you are potentially confusing an audience, Um if you uh, if you want to do parody, that's different. Where it is very clearly and obviously based upon someone else's work, but you're you're changing it around completely to make a, a parody point. You know, if I wanted to create a newspaper called the New York Crimes, for instance, <laughs> and you know, and and write a bunch of silly things and even copy maybe their typeface, but it's very clearly not the New York Times. I'm not infringing on their brand. I'm doing parody. That is protected under fair use. The music would but, have to be sound alikes, though. You couldn't right, just put exactly. new words onto the melody. You'd have to write melodies that are similar, a but not absolutely. The same. If you've ever heard a Weird Al Yankovic song, that is exactly what he does. He takes the melody, the melodic uh, progression of a song. He puts entirely new words on it. Okay, he's not he's not swapping a word or a lyric here or there. And the reason is because copyright law recognizes that a song or a play is an artistic expression. It has an author. It has a source and an origin. And so if you, Brother Keith, wrote a wonderful hymn of the church that was widely used and it talked about, uh, you know, well, we just talked about penal substitutionary atonement or some other great doctrine, and someone changed your song to say something that you didn't want it to say, but still had Keith Foskey's song on it or whatever, and anyone who heard it goes, wait, Keith wrote that? If there's any confusion then they have broken copyright law. Now, again, if it's parody, if it's completely derivative or whatever, you're probably okay. In this case, what Hamilton or what this church did is they only changed a couple of lines in the play. And you can't do that. You're now in the worst possible category. If you straight rip it and just go through it as it's done, you have copyright infringement. If you make it a totally derivative parody work, like you call it, I don't know, I can't come up with a good pun off the top of my head. Jefferson. Well, yeah, or whatever it is, you know, and you and you 
you know, instead of 12, well, there's 12 disciples or whatever. Shem, Japheth, and Ham Milton. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and Ham Milton or something like that. Obviously, that's parody. That's protected under fair use. But in this case, they took a work. They performed it. They called it Hamilton. Like they called it Hamilton. And from what I can see, they used a lot of the same visual badging and stuff like that. They make some changes to some lines. Well, now they're representing an artist's creative expression as something that that artist never made. They are now claiming that this artist made this expression when they did not. And that is extremely, extremely no-no in copyright terms. And no matter what IRS classification you're in, that is not okay. Yeah, the, the, the only thing that changes that, right, is that copyright ages out. So as eventually stuff becomes open to the public, which is yep. why John Piper can come in and change Great Is Thy Faithfulness, Yep, and people can cry about it, but they can't do anything about it because it's open and, and it can be done. Have you guys ever heard of the the Sonny Bono Copyright Extension Act? It's also called the uh, Mickey Mouse Protection mm -hmm. Act. Yes, I was just yep. fixing to mention that that Mickey Mouse is 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 trying to get past that because he's been out long enough that he should be open source now. Well, so sort of. It's a bit of a nuanced thing. Winnie the Pooh just got opened up, and there are some really scary things coming out. Yeah. So, to, so <laughs> yeah, the, the horror movies, the, mm -hmm. the Winnie the Pooh horror. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so what happened to listeners? So much. <laughs> if you create a, a, a character, or a, if Jake Jake writes a, a a book or a story or something like that, um, the rule was seventy five years after Jake's death, and the idea was okay. That's two generations, basically his grandkids can benefit from that work. And, and so again, it's the incentive to create. Jake says, I want to leave a fortune to my grandkids. So I'm going to spend 10 years working on this passion project, you know, whatever. Um, and he writes a book, then 75 years is how the earlier law was 75 years after his death, it enters something called the public domain. Now what the public domain means is that any Tom, Dick and Harry that wants to can print as many copies as they want and sell them. And, and they need not pay Jake's estate for it. The Mickey Mouse protection act, as it was called, was an extension of that from 75 years to 95 years. And it was brought about by Disney lobbyists because the very first appearance of Mickey Mouse was in a film called a black and white film called Steamboat Willie. And in Steamboat Willie, you have the character of Mickey Mouse and it was just about to enter the public domain um, back in, I think it was uh, right around 2000, 2001, something like that. They passed this act through Congress. It extends it to 95 years because Disney was afraid of what was going to happen when Mickey Mouse became public domain. Now, Here's the thing. Mickey Mouse still isn't public domain. To be clear, Steamboat Willie is public domain. Mm -hmm. You and I can download it from YouTube, burn it to discs, and sell it as much as we want, and Disney can't do a thing about it. We cannot print Mickey Mouse merchandise and sell that. We can't say, well, it's in this, you know, whatever, because the character of Mickey Mouse is still actively used by Disney. This particular film, if it is a one-for-one, frame-for-frame reproduction of the original film, it has entered the public domain. You are free to reproduce that, but but not Mickey Mouse himself. You may not create Mickey Mouse shirts. Disney legal will parachute in down your chimney and and have you subpoenaed faster than you can imagine. Yeah, if your beautiful eight-year-old daughter opens up a lemonade stand with a picture of Mickey Mouse on it, the yep. government will want their taxes and Disney will burn it to the ground. Disney will come for you. They are, they are among the most aggressive companies in the world at protect, protecting their copyright. Yeah, I used to own my own T-shirt company, obviously, because 
My man Jake is still sporting a shirt I made, and it's been several years that that shirt has been uh, is continuing <clears throat> to uh, to show my quality mar- uh, 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 manufacturer workmanship. But when I did that, uh, when I had that business, I had that business for three years. Mm-hmm. Every month or so, I would have someone who was going to a Disney trip who yep. wanted me to make shirts for them that had Disney logos on it. And I, and I said, <clears throat> I can't do that. Now I know there's ways around that, but I just didn't want to deal with the potential yeah. of having, I had a business that I was marketing publicly and I didn't want my name to be associated with shirts that had copyrighted logos on it. So I just didn't yeah. do it. Closest I ever came. There's a, a dole whip, uh, something that people eat at Disney. It's like uh-huh. a, a pineapple yeah, a, ice cream. Yeah. That it's incredible. Was, yeah. Okay, I've never, I, I'm not, I haven't been to Disney for years, so I don't, I've never had one, but, um, but I, I made a shirt with a Dole Whip on it, but it didn't have any logos. It was just that ice cream because the, yeah. that was the ladies like thing, and and that was as close as I ever came, and and I haven't felt weird doing that. So it was like I was very, very, I don't want to say scared of Disney, but I knew the, I knew the the the, the reality. Disney will yeah. come, they will come for you and your children. <laughs> yep. And to the listener at your church, if you're like, well, I want to do a movie night, I'll just log in on my Netflix account or I'll just log in on my personal Amazon account and put it up on a projector for 50 or 100 people. Listen, I'm not saying that one of Joe Biden's 87,000 new IRS agents is going to come kicking down your door, but I am going to say that you are you are violative of the law. You owe a public performance license. And most of them are very cheap. It's like, 50 cents a person that's going to be in the room and it's totally honor system. But listen, man, like if you want to be right before you and God, and you want to say, I did the things that I was supposed to, and we acted with integrity, you can shrug all you want and say, well, we're a church and this is for the gospel. But like, I mean, you know, you can justify a lot of bad stuff with that. So find a public performance license. They're not all that expensive. You will, you will be better for it. Yeah. But, and, and, and in this case, the rights to Hamilton have got to be, First of all, they're not giving them out, right? They yeah, are not allowing yeah. you. If if you had a huge theater and were for profit, I don't care how much money you have. They're not going to allow you to do it because they're currently banking on their exclusivity, right? Yep. There's a reason why you can go do, you know, uh, uh, Oklahoma and pay a nominal fee, but you cannot do this. Twenty years ago, you could not pay for rent. 10 years ago, you could not pay for uh, Frozen, you know, because that's it's the exclusivity is how they make their money. Um, So like like they could have done something cheaper uh, and and paid for it. And and I think Matthew's entirely right about this is like, man, you're the church. So like if it's a great even if it is a gray zone and this isn't a gray zone, but even if it is a gray zone, like you got to go to the right, man, like like you, you can't be thought of as leaning the other way like that's that's not going to benefit you and i don't know anything about this church um looking at their statement of faith on their website like i probably wouldn't go there but i mean they're not too crazy wackadoo you know what i mean like you're a church man like you're still in the family probably so now you're speaking you know for me and for you guys as well when they make this choice at least in cnn's eyes so And Jake, I mean, you've done theater for most of your life and I've been heavily involved in technical theater. We've both done Friday, Saturday, Sunday, 8am to 8pm tech rehearsals. 
and costuming and and run throughs and line readings and getting the lights just right and makeup and all the like, it's a tremendous amount of effort mm-hmm. um, to do that and to and to put all that on and so for for someone to just simply take it and say well it's for Jesus yeah I'm sorry no no I don't I because you have a disagreement with how intellectual property law works in the United States does not negate the fact that it exists and that those people deserve their their wages I'm yeah. I'm, I'm with you. Yeah. And so just to touch back on, on CCLI, we talked about this in a previous episode, like this idea of this blanket coverage that gets you a bunch of songs, right? When people, Calvinists get uppity about, well, I would never play reckless love. Cause I don't want to support, you know, I don't want to give any money to Bethel dog. If you got a CCLI license, like you already are giving money to Bethel. That is like, correct. Like, you know, in a sense. And, and so that might be a great case for why you should only do hymns only, but then I think you have another theological problem. Um, a church that I used to go to in, in Las Vegas, I don't know if they still do it, but for years they write their own songs. They have an amazing band and they don't do CCLI. All of their songs are available on their website for free download. They mm-hmm. just give the, they just give them away. Right. And now, if you want to know more about this, Keith has a podcast with a gentleman regarding yeah, the I, Dorian principle. <laughs> I was I was gonna I was gonna pitch that. Um it, it, you know, and I think that's the right answer. Now I personally don't mind paying for CCL license. I think there are there are some some good jams on there. Um, but you know, like you're not your hands aren't free from that that concept mm-hmm. just because you don't want to. And so um I don't know, man, like like again. These those people worked hard. I mean, the Hamilton people, um, they got a good product. Just don't do it. Just do something else. And and yeah, Yeah. I want to ask these pastors, like maybe they had great intentions, but like, where was the thought process? Who is your accountability? If you have some kind of, you know, deacon board who does your finances or whatever, like, did they have a conversation like, or were you just so like wrapped up in the, oh, this is great. This is be so cool that you didn't stop and think about it. And then are you stewards? And like, like from somebody who, who has led a church organization, where are the stop gaps and where's the wisdom? And you know what I mean? Like if you want to go take Macbeth and try to make a, a, a Christian community night out of it, I mean, there's a lot of blood in that and some witchcraft <laughs> and stuff, but I could, I, I could hear your case out. You know what I mean? Like, do that for the glory of God because you're not stealing. This is stealing. Yeah. Even if you're stealing from someone who is who hates the gospel. I don't know that Lynn Manuel Miranda hates the gospel. I think he probably doesn't know the gospel. You still shouldn't be stealing from the man. You know what I mean? So uh, it, it just it tarnishes the image of the church writ large. And yep. that's that's my biggest issue with it. And, and I hate the hokiness of it. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm on I'm all there. And um it's interesting. You mentioned about <clears throat> churches that write songs. We're, we're, we're blessed by that because even though we have a CCL license, a lot of our songs that we're doing now, our worship leader who leads now comes from a church that was filled with talented musicians and they write um, music for older hymns. They also write their own new songs and they make all that available to us. And it's a blessing that we get to do that. We don't have to worry about licensing or any of that stuff. So that that's, that's great. Yeah. God will, and God will, will provide that if he wants it in your church, right? He, he will raise up those people. Yeah, absolutely. And um, we also, as a church, there, there have been a few times in the past where we have shown some films. Now they've always been, films that were related to something about the gospel. Like we showed the film Calvinist 
by Les Lamphere. I had Les on the program. He was one of my guests. Well, we paid for the license to show that at the church because they sell a group license. And yep. I understand why they do, because the, you know, the, the DVD costs 16, 17, 18, 20 dollars, whatever the DVD costs. Well, if you buy that one DVD and you show it to 100 people, well, that's money that they've lost because they would have sold 100 DVDs. Uh, Potentially, you know, so yeah, yeah. we pay a, a, a fee and, and 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 we're glad to do it because we know that that's essentially um, uh, supporting Les's ministry and that yeah. and he's trying to get the gospel out through that movie. And, and yeah. like I said, you know, the Dorian principle does come into play here. And the question is, well, are you in co-labor or are you in reciprocity? And that that that's a question for, you know, maybe maybe uh, maybe my buddy um, uh, uh, can come back on. Uh, I know his name. It just escaped me. Uh, 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 I just edit it in and then just do this. I, I have to. I have to name. wonder to go back and listen what he thinks of First Corinthians nine. Uh, it's a, it's it, he has a very interesting take on it. It's it's Conley yeah. Owens. Uh, it, it, like I said, just slipped my mind. Conley's a great guy. He's got some interesting thoughts. Like I said, I don't agree with everything that he says, but on this, I think that he would say, um, if I don't want to speak for him, but I think he would say that um, if somebody is supporting someone else's ministry by by paying for something, it's not a problem. It's his issue is the issue of, of the force charging and things. And he's not, and he actually believes that no Christian, no Christian work at all should be copyrighted. So that's, again, that's a whole other conversation. Yeah, maybe. And, I mean, uh, yeah, no. but like I said, I do recommend his book. If anybody wants to argue with him, you can at least sure. have what he's written and it is available for free. <laughs> on, yeah. Go to the Dorian principle. Uh, and uh, I think it's the Dorian principle.com or the Dorian principle.org. Um, D O R E A N. But yeah, it, again, gets back to the question of, you know, I, I think all of us are looking at this from the perspective, from, from multiple perspectives. Is it wrong for a church to have to have a theater program? No. Is it wrong for a church to have a play? No. Should they do Romeo and, Ju Romeo and Juliet? Probably not. It's not a love story. It's about two very selfish teenagers who made very bad decisions. But and a clergyman <laughs> who needs to be fired. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. Yeah, it's you know whatever you know. I'm the I'm 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 I am just just spitting on all of these, <laughs> all these all these things tonight. But at the end of the day, if 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 that's what we're gonna do, okay. If we're gonna, but but I think Jake, you're right. We don't we don't make it hokey. We don't make it cheesy. And I am going to be doing a show in the near future where I'm gonna have some some. Uh, my brother's actually gonna come on the show with me. My brother Bobby. He and I grew up. We love films. We love movies. And we're going to mm -hmm. talk about Christian movies and how some of them are really well done and some of them are not well done. And there's a lot mm -hmm. more that are not well done than are well done because they are that that hokiness is just and, and it's just it's just bad. It's just mm -hmm. it's just not not very well done. So um, yeah, if we're going to do things, we should do it to the glory of God, do things well done. And we should do it within the bounds of what is legal. And obviously this church has violated um, not only artistic expression, but um, financial compensation and what was legal. I, I do think it's telling in the story of this church that they were allowed to carry on with their final performance. Like, yeah, like that. That's an interesting note. I mean, I just assume that whoever owns the rights to Hamilton, again, didn't want to be known as the people who bullied you know, this, it's not a mega church. I don't think it's a mega, mega church. They didn't want to be known as the people who bullied this church. So, you know, what kind of message is that sending? I kind of think that they should have just done the cease and desist and, and moved on, frankly. Um, you know, you got a bunch of bummed out kids and, but it's like, well, yeah, the leadership of that church should absorb that. Um, yeah. 
You want to know why CNN was big mad about the whole thing, though? Because <laughs> a church was involved, I assume, but go on. Well, of course. This seemingly, I'm reading from the CNN opinion article, this seemingly small story, a Texas church perverting, interesting choice of word, a musical that became a progressive classic. Yeah, for sure. Speaks to a larger dynamic of the American right and particularly Christian conservatives. Of course, of course, we have to wrap all that in there. And it says repeatedly rewriting U.S. history to serve their ends and confirm their biases. Wait, wait, uh, wait, 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 wait. I'm surprised. Yeah. Not Hamilton, who cast all of the Protestant white men as immigrants or people of color. They're not uh-huh. rewriting anything. Okay, sorry, go on. Yeah. Just check. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So uh, anyway, there's a whole, there's a screed in here about how the U.S. is not a Christian nation and it's not compatible with bubble. Anyway, whatever. Um, Next paragraph. It should be noted that many Southern Christians even supported slavery. Oh, Uh, and many went to war to maintain what one, one Baptist minister, we found what idiot, you know, back then uh, called a righteous institution of God. Um. The Southern Baptist Convention, in fact, was founded because Southern Baptist slaveholders wanted to maintain their ability to enslave other human beings, so long as these human beings were African, a group they deemed fundamentally inferior to whites, and on and on. It's CNN. It's the, what exactly we The hundreds of abolitionist pastors just right. they don't right. exist, never happened. Oh, uh, and then we have the white, this whitewashing is perhaps most acutely felt in public schools where Oklahoma Republicans recently tried to blame and <laughs> accurate teaching of slavery. All this from a church doing Hamilton. Whitewashing. Like, whitewashing from yep. a play that opposite whitewash, yeah. which, which again, I love the play. I love the concept. Right. But there's just, here's the thing. Democrats have no sense of irony. Zero. Uh-huh. <laughs> they have uh-huh. no concept of it. It's just, yeah, you're right, Jake. They gave those people a race lift and like, it wasn't, you know, like what, who cares? But anyway, this, <laughs> this opinion article is, uh, it's interesting. It's oh, very, man, very what a mess. Yeah. Well, at the end of the Ooh. day, when we, <laughs> that's the thing that bothers me. I think outside of the fact that the church obviously did something wrong, uh, in a, I, I do wonder what happened when the cease and desist letter came, were they surprised? Were they like, oh my goodness, I didn't think this was going to happen. Why would they do uh, this to us? Yeah, we're a church. But but you, it's like, it's one thing if I preach a sermon and I preach a sermon where I say something that is that, that, that the world will not like. I know that's, I, I say that every week. Every, t- every time I preach, I preach something that the unbelieving world will not like. Mm-hmm. Um, but in this regard... The church is is basically chumming the waters, and and, and, and it, for something that's unnecessary, preaching the gospel is necessary. Stealing mm-hmm. Hamilton and changing it into a worse version is not necessary. It's like Hank yeah. Hill said: "You're you know Christian Christian rock isn't making uh, uh, rock and roll better. It's making it making Christianity better. It's making rock and roll worse." That's like yeah, sorry, as I uh, quote no, I- Hank Hill. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you're you're right like uh, th- this idea that okay well you know well, well we're a church so we just get to do this for the sake of the gospel listen we just went through covid i heard romans 13 abused <laughs> by more people than i can possibly imagine but listen here like like yeah romans 13 right here caesar has set what property rights are in this country and you ought to comply with that and you don't like the whole 
well, we're not going to say the words that will get us demonetized and pulled off of all the different places, but, but the people making Romans 13 arguments about just comply, um, yeah. were wrong. Yeah. Rubber banding on that though, Romans 13 therefore applies to nothing is also incorrect. Um, well, and, and this is, this is stealing from your neighbor. You know, this is bearing false witness. Like there are commandments involved with, with yeah. this story. Like this is well, pretty it wasn't a, an actual object, so it doesn't count because there was no intellectual property in the Bible. So, you know, well, okay, well, maybe, but in our, in our country, we have that, the people's elected yeah. representatives, the Constitution of the United States yeah. states this, and it is the highest law in the land above and beyond the president. Um, yeah. And so, you know, like what, where Bible, this went out for me, my friend, tell me why it's okay. It's and certainly bearing false witness. I can understand if you're saying you're not stealing a physical object, although I disagree. Um, it's absolutely bearing false witness, right? Because just by the process of, of the naming convention, you're saying that you don't have the right to something that you don't have the right to. So, yeah, I mean, just on its face, it's wrong. Yeah, I, it, it would be like being elected to be, you know, the president of a major Baptist denomination and plagiarizing sermons. I mean, that would just be wrong <laughs> if you were to do that. <laughs> I, I, don't, I, th I think someone is referencing Mr. Lytton. I, I don't know what you're talking about. Keith. It I, uh, yeah. It's hey, purely did you do the show with me where we talked about plagiarism? Uh, I don't think so. Gosh, I don't think so. Maybe, I, maybe that was it. Maybe, maybe not. I'm sorry. You've been on so many shows. And by the way, I'm, all right, I'm, rub I'm, it in I'm, my face that he's. I'm been trying on to so get Jake shows. caught up. I'm trying there to get Jake caught up. Yeah, here. but then you yeah. invite him, and you're trying to get me caught up. I don't see how that works. Well, just Listen, so you, you know, video you are on top of him. You're, there you're, you go. Yeah, That's because of the shirt. Yeah, you got, right. and because you're an actual Calvinist, and I'm, I'm the, I, I'm the uh, bench warmer. I don't know, Jake, you got my second favorite topic and the one that I have been the most passionate about recently, which is the whole regular principle of worship and the whole, well, we need to get the Bethels and the Hill songs out of our churches. Like I, I have, Sorry, I've man. listened to that entire episode a couple of times because that was, that was worthwhile. Um, no. Next well, to I, nerding out one of the, one of the few the that's worthwhile. No, well, <laughs> next to nerding out over the Supreme Court while popping cough drops the whole time, that was, you know, that's one of the better episodes, I think, uh, that, that I've, uh, most interesting topic to me anyway. Yeah. I, I do think we do need to do a soteriology conversation, though, in this format, this three person format. I, absolutely. I, uh, absolutely. I, I joked in the comments as, to the listener, I joked in the comments as we were planning the show because Keith said, wait, so we're talking about this Hamilton church thing down in Texas. And I said, Nah, let's argue about limited atonement. And these two guys were like, "Let's go, yes. let's go." But I wasn't quite ready to do that tonight. I don't even need to prepare. Let's just have it. <laughs> out. Although I will say, I recently have started to change my views on being a superlapsarian a little bit. But that's a. I'm sorry, you're starting to fade. I can't see your video anymore. It's starting. To <laughs> I'm not saying I'm an infralapsarian. I'm, I'm taking the the Bavink view. I don't know if you know a lot about it, but it's it's interesting. We'll tease that yeah. for another day. Absolutely. And, and, and I was going to do that, but I, but before I do that, I got to mention something about the Ed Litton thing. I don't know if I've ever told this story on the show before. I'll make it real quick. Cause we do need to close out. We've gone well past an hour, but uh, when I first started preaching in my first two years of preaching twice, I had a uh -huh. message from uh, two different churches, two different pastors who had plagiarized my sermons. Wow. And the reason why they did was because I was, I was writing sermons and 
and sending the written sermons into a place called sermoncentral.com. Mm-hmm. This was before sermon audio. This was before a lot of people had audio versions, but we would, we would take our notes and a lot of pastors did it. A lot of pastors contributed. There's thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of written sermons. And the reason we did it is so we could share illustrations and outlines and things like yeah. that. It was very helpful. I still use it to this day. I'll go look and see if there's good illustrations or whatever. Yeah, sure. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a tremendous storehouse of good information. And I had, I had sent sermons in. Well, I got a call from a deacon one day. He goes, hi, I'm deacon so-and-so from this church up in, up, up in a Northern state. And he said, did you write the sermon? Um, what you can do while waiting on God. And I said, yeah, I wrote that sermon. He said, well, our pastor preached that sermon. Oh, he didn't change anything. Ooh, he literally boy. used your everything that you wrote, he said verbatim, and we want to know what you think we should do. As a Saturday <laughs> like, night at midnight decision from somebody <laughs> who did not prepare. Uh-huh. At first I was like, well, tell him thank you for me. Tell him. I was like, yeah, I was like, well, I'm flattered. Yeah, a little, you know, as a 28 year old, very new, you know, uh, pastor, I was, I was somewhat flattered. I'm not gonna lie. This was like, I mean, it was, somebody thought it was good enough to plagiarize, but at the same time I said, is this, is this a problem? And they said, yeah, you're not the only one we have found that this is, this is a pattern in his Oof. life. And I said, well, that's a, that's an issue. You know, like you said, Jake, if it's a one-time Saturday night decision and he made a bad decision, he can repent of that. Yeah. But if this is the pattern of his life is a refusal to study and a, yeah. a, a thieving so, of, of so, other men's work. So if I were in that position and I would never be, I would either one, just preach, you know, extemporaneously off of the stuff that, that is in my heart from my own study. I, I usually do a manuscript or two, I would just read Hebrews. Like if I'm, if I'm going to plagiarize <laughs> somebody, I'm just going to read scripture. Just be like, Hey, I'm going to be honest, dog. I didn't prepare anything. I'm sorry. You know, I was, yeah. you know, at the funeral at the hospital all week. So I'm just going to read you all of Hebrews and it's going to be bomb. Like, like who, who would go, Oh, pastor, that's awful. No, they'd be like, Oh, <laughs> that's very spiritual. You know what I mean? You know yeah, what I mean? Like, that's what I would do. I, I would never do it, but yeah. Absolutely. I've, I've always told people if, if somebody asked me to preach right away and, and, and Matthew knows this, cause we talked about this over dinner, it'd be yep. Romans five, one. I, I know that text. I feel yeah. comfortable preaching that text. Yeah. Uh, and that would just be it. And that everybody be- has their, their one or two in their pocket. Back pocket. Yep. I could do 35 on this flat. Like, like yeah. I, I could do, uh, Paul in Athens, one I've done many times. And then John 15, one through 10 ish, you know, those are just kind of my go-tos that I could always do. Yeah. Let me ask you guys this before, I don't know, we got to sign off pretty soon, but like, if you, if you had a pastor or a church where the pastor is, and it's known, it's not like a, it's not deceitful or anything like that, where you have a group of elders that just don't, don't preach like they don't write their own sermons. They're like every listen, they're up front about it, but like everything you hear from the front here is going to be Jonathan Edwards, or it's going to be, uh, you know, our friend Bill down the road that is totally cool with us doing this. It, what do you guys think about that? Well, they're disqualified uh, because part of being an elder is able to teach. So, I mean, already, so, but, they aren't a pastor. But, okay. So you, but, and so you would say that extends beyond just delivering words out of your face hole it would involve the actual creation yeah. of those yeah. and exegesis able and able to to they have the ability to teach, okay all right right all right it's my opinion what would you i mean yeah okay so but as an occasional thing if someone said hey guys you know this sunday instead of 
one of our elders preaching, we're just going to read yeah. sinners in the hands of an I, angry God. I, I, or I think there's a place for that in a very okay. limited, very limited sense for sure. Yeah. Uh, say 50 weeks out of the year, they're doing their own stuff, but maybe, maybe a couple weeks out of the year, they do something like that just to yeah. give a church history connection. As, or something. Yeah, as long as they say, Hey, this is a great sermon by Jonathan Edwards. Yeah. Citation and proper attribution. And yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm okay with that. Very okay. early think, on. Keith? Uh, well, very early on in my ministry, uh, and this has been, man, 15 years ago, I did a sermon <clears throat> writ written um, in the book of um, the book. What, what is it? Um, Herman Melville's Moby Dick. There is a sermon that the mm -hmm. pastor preaches and yep. R.C. Sproul had talked about that sermon and it was a Sunday night. And it was a, you know, I was going through Jonah and that's what the sermon was on, was on Jonah chapter two. Mm -hmm. And so I took one of the Sunday nights, I, you know, I was doing a series in Jonah. So I was, you know, it was, it was several weeks, but I took one of the weeks and I read that sermon from Herman Melville that was written as that pastor. And I explained yeah, yeah. what I was doing because it, it had a very interesting message. And, um, so, I mean, it would be hypocritical for me to say that's always wrong. I don't, but, mm -hmm. but, but, but I, like I said, I can think of one time in 15 years yeah. <laughs> yeah. with, with great, with great caution, I would consider it. And I, I would also say this, like when you do that, you are assuming responsibility for all of those words, right? Because you're the one at the pulpit saying, yeah, thus saith the Lord, thus saith Jonathan Edwards. And so like, like if you're not approaching that with fear and trembling with your own words, now you're putting another layer of someone else you're now responsible for as one who is accountable for souls, right? As, as scripture yeah. says of elders, like that should be done. Like a, a master violinist can pick up a Stradivarius, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I'm not saying I'm a master, but I'm just saying like, do that with the caution of somebody who knows what they're doing. You know what I mean? And, and yeah. I know, I know like a lot of very congregational churches don't like the concept of elders kind of elevating their level of study. And, you know what I mean? And say, Oh, well, I know Greek. So I I'm, but like we are, I disagree with John Piper in this sense. We are professionals. Uh, like, like we take on the, the extra punishment due to teachers who are false. And so you know, we need to take on that extra responsibility as well. So, but you wouldn't, you wouldn't extend that to music. No, I don't. Okay. I, I don't agree that those are the same thing. I do not okay. agree that that singing worship is the same as, as the preaching act. There are different words in the Bible. Those are different Greek verbs that mean different things. I'm with you, by the way, I'm saying if, so, so if someone were to draw the parallel and say, well, you know, why why would you be opposed in almost all cases to to reading pre-prepared sermons when you know you're doing someone else's music from somewhere else and yeah, you put the little CCLI tag and attributed it so it's not copyright problem but but you know, you sing five songs a Sunday and all five of them you didn't write any of them. So how is that any different? But yeah. you would you songs would differentiate. Are, songs are theology, right? And 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 theology needs to be taught, but songs are not preaching. And there's yeah. biblical warrant for having a songbook that you didn't write. Yep. That, that is a yep. thing that happens in the Bible. What you yep. don't have in the Bible is somebody lifting wholesale a, a, a sermon, you know, other yeah. than, you know, Ezra reading the law or whatever. Yeah. Um, you don't have that. And there's, and there's nowhere in scripture that says anyone in church has to be called to be a hymn writer. 
Mm-hmm. But there is Amen. a command yeah. that you must be called yeah, preach to, be the word. To, te- to preach the word. Yeah. yeah so, yeah. so I, I, I do. I, it, it would be a hard. It would to to to, to absolutely equate those two. I think would be. Uh, I, it, I don't even know that I would do it on a Sunday morning, but mm-hmm. a Wednesday <laughs> evening or a Sunday evening, kind of some of these alternate events. I, I, I yeah. wouldn't have any problem doing that. We and did a youth I, event one time where we did excerpts from the screw tape letters, and that was like really impactful for the kids. And you know, we did proper attribution, and this is a this is one author's interpretation of what this might look like. This is extra biblical. We we put the guardrails in place, but then we went ahead and did it, and it was it was very useful, I think. But it was not in place of today's sermon. We're gonna like no, we didn't do that. <laughs> yeah, but there are churches right who are doing this in the movies series right yeah. now. Like, yeah. like where they're not showing a clip, they're showing like 25 minutes of the 35 minute sermon of, you know, the Lion King or whatever. Yep. Yep. And there was, um, you guys may be too young to remember this. Uh, I don't know. How, how old are we? How, how I'm, old are you? I'm 37. Okay. So you're almost I have a baby face. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Matthew uh, 17. <laughs> 28. <laughs> well, when the um, this was before I was a pastor, uh, the book, The 40 Days of Purpose came out. And um, when that happened, a, a, a lot of people don't realize this, but the churches who did the 40 Days of Purpose challenge were given manuscripted sermons that were written by mm-hmm. Rick Warren. And the pastor we had at the time literally read verbatim all of those sermons for all of that 40 days. So that would have been five weeks, I think, if my math is correct. It's either four, four or five Sundays. Yes, it depends on what day of the week you start. Yeah, yeah, four or five Sundays where, and, and, and I've, I've not talked a lot about my predecessor, but the guy was not, he was not a um, pulpiteer. He was not mm-hmm. a good preacher. And, and he, even he would have said that, that his gifting was more administration, things like that but was not his gifting was not in preaching so when somebody handed him five weeks worth of sermons that he could just read he was he was okay with it i it would have drove me nuts i couldn't have done it i can't i can't preach someone else's sermon well straight but that's mind. how rick warren has trained ten thousand pastors is no one million Ooh. one million yeah but yeah i just so so what's interesting is i do think even though we laugh about him you know training a million guys or whatever I do think that pragmatic approach and that, I mean, you guys have seen probably that there are companies that will write your sermons for you. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, and you can enough. buy them, you know, two bucks a pop so you can feel better about paying for the rights. Like you can do that. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And and I just don't understand. I, it, to me, preaching, you said it earlier, it's an art form. I think it, I think it's, it's a gift that, that God gives to, to the, the, the pastor elder who is, who is called to do that. And, and we exercise our gift by keeping our knees under the desk and writing our own stuff. And sometimes it's not as good as what John MacArthur would have written. Sometimes it's not as good as what Bodie Baca would have written, but it's what Keith, it's Keith Foskey's outline. Well, and, and, yeah. and more to the point, it, it's not for the sheep that God has given you. So yeah. it might've been great for Jonathan Edwards's church and it might touch me and my heart, but God gave me a different flock that has, you know, a, it could just be a variation of different words that, that I think might speak yeah. to them. Those are my sheep. So I need to provide for them. That's my job. I am that under shepherd who's doing yeah. that job. So if not, then are you, aren't you just the, the, the workman who collects his pay and, and flees? Like if you're not doing your job, so I don't know, man. Like, like I said, there's some circumstances where I could see it, but 
I don't know. My our current uh, the the guy who was hired on as our youth pastor, a guy named Jack, and I'm going to tell this story and mess it up just a little bit, and it's pretty brief. But he and his wife lived in South Korea for a good while, doing uh, they were teaching English, but also they're on missions work. You know, that was kind of their 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 thing. Um, so he went to a church that seated like a thousand people that had twelve services on a Sunday once per hour from sunrise to sunset and it was packed the whole time it was as big of a building as they could get though and they let him preach one of the services there you know and he he said he you know fasting and prayer and preparation doing all the things and like put together the best sermon and he he went up there and i don't remember what he said he preached out of but he absolutely crushed it knocked it out of the park best sermon he's ever given and there was a guy in the audience from the united states he was like a like taught in a seminary and like knew how to teach preaching. He goes, I just wanted you to know that your theology was spot on. You were dead on. You gave an amazing proclamation of the gospel. You would have had a hundred people down here if this was the United States, but this is South Korea and they have no idea what you just said. They don't have a single clue what you just said. When you started saying justification, restoration, sanctification, you know, redemption, all that, that their English is that they have no idea. And yet that was not the response in the other services. It wasn't because Jack was an American. It was because he wasn't used to that flock yet. So then later on, he would write manuscripts up. They would pre-translate them into the language that the people Mm. were reading and like, okay. And then they were, then they were getting it. But, but you're to your point, like he couldn't just dump truck his way of doing things into that culture. He had to find how they did it. You know, I've heard before that there's something to be said about not just the specific words, but also kind of some concepts from scripture are just stronger in certain places. Like uh, uh, I've heard this, I I, I can't speak, but when you're preaching in India, for example, uh, the concept of ending this cycle of what they think of as reincarnation, talking about a once and for all death and a once and for all resurrection, like, like that speaks very strongly to them more so than forgiveness of sins per se. And and I know Mm -hmm. they're connected, right. But there's an emotional impact to that culture that that if if those are your sheep, you're going to be able to to fast. And I'm not saying change scripture, right? But I'm just saying, like, identify a facet of that more than our European law centric brain likes justification. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I mean, Second Corinthians five twenty one is going to hit us right between the eyes, but it it it's it's God breathed scripture true in all ages, but it just may not be the thing that really gets the point across. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard, I've heard this, you know, talked about like in the story of Ruth, you know, if you preach it in Africa, um, like for us, the, 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 the family part and the redemption is a big deal. But for them, the fact that there's a famine at the beginning, yeah, like they have a, they have a, a thought about famines. Whereas we as Americans, like when I heard someone say that I had to go back and look and be like, wait, there's a famine. Like I wasn't even trying <laughs> you know what I yeah. mean? But, but for that culture, that's a real thing. Right. So, yeah. so we, we do the opposite of looking at facets of scripture too. And, and so I think that's okay. And so your sheep, your sheep that God gave you matter specifically, which to wrap it all up is why you don't need to do Hamilton you at your church to <laughs> preach the gospel. You no. really, you really don't and don't make it hokey or Jake will come and find you. Don't. But if, if somebody is actually putting on Hamilton and they want to like hire an actor, like, <laughs> there's not a lot of white guy roles, but like I could do King George, like for real. So no, uh, but if, if someone were doing a, a musical version of office space, you could definitely play Peter from you. office space. Thank yes. you. Yeah. Uh, 
especially as I've lost weight. Yeah. I prefer, yeah. I prefer him as a, a major Nixon from band of brothers, but yeah, same. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Same role. All right, guys. Well, I want to thank you both. Uh, this has been uh, awesome fun as always. Uh, but we've been going at it now for almost an hour and a half and uh, hopefully the listeners are still with us. I want to go ahead and sign off, but thank you both so much hey, for being l- a part of, let me just quickly plug again, my Facebook group, just say you don't understand reform <laughs> theology and move along. Matthew <laughs> is also an admin of that group. We have a ton of fun. Please come check us out. Hey, I just yes, joined the group. I, I saw. You, yeah. I, I, and I didn't, I didn't mean to put it off for so long. I didn't realize I wasn't a member until Matthew shared one of my posts and, yep. and it got some traction. And I was like, wait a minute. I'm not even, I'm not included in the group. Nobody in like the guy's comment was, I don't know what Calvinism is, but I know it's not needed. I'm like, you need to just like, literally you are saying, I don't understand. <laughs> like this is literally what the group is for. <laughs> so come, come check us out and have some fun with us. Absolutely. 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 Thanks guys. Thank you. you. And again, thank you listener. I want to tell you how much I appreciate you being with us tonight on this special edition of conversations with a Calvinist. This is going to go up as a weekend edition. This is something that happened just a few days ago. and We wanted to hit it this weekend and we're going to start trying to do this every once in a while, having more than just a one-on-one conversation, bringing in some special conversations like tonight we had with Matthew and Jake and, and, and maybe doing sort of a, uh, uh, Jake recommended a, a CWAC late night. So maybe something like that, that we'll do uh, every month or so, try to put that together. But again, I want to thank you for listening to Conversations with a Calvinist. I want to remind you that if you're interested in supporting the show, one of the best ways you can do that is to go to our YouTube channel, to like the video, to subscribe to the channel, and to share it with someone else. You can also find us at Conversations with a Calvinist Facebook group. That's an open group. Anyone can join and come in and be a part of what we're doing there. And also, if you have a question that you would like for me to address on a future episode, you can do that by sending me an email at Conversations with a Calvinist. I'm sorry, excuse me, CalvinistPodcast at gmail.com. You can find old episodes at CalvinistPodcast.com and send me an email at CalvinistPodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening to Conversations with a Calvinist. My name is Keith Foskey, and I've been your Calvinist. May God bless you. (music) 